Welcome to The Backstory with Dr. Ricky Singh. This podcast is focused on bringing you the latest research-based information about dramatically improving health, well-being, and quality of life. And here's your host, Dr. Ricky Singh. Welcome to the latest episode of The Backstory Podcast. And today, we're going to take a deep dive into the world of protein supplements, shedding light on their benefits and drawbacks. Additionally, we'll explore the fundamental aspects of protein, including the role in the body and the distinction between branched chain amino acids and essential amino acids. So let's embark on this journey to understand protein a little bit better. The first question is, what is protein? Well, protein is a crucial macronutrient, which is composed of amino acids, and these are the essential building blocks of life. Amino acids play a fundamental role in various bodily functions, such as muscle development, immune system support, hormone regulation, brain neurotransmitter support, and proteins are classified mainly into two big categories, complete and incomplete. Complete proteins contain all essential amino acids in adequate proportions and are typically found in animal sources like meat, fish, and dairy. Incomplete proteins, on the other hand, lack one or more essential amino acids, and these are commonly found in plant-based sources like legumes and grains and even some vegetables. The body utilizes protein, which undergoes a dynamic process of protein turnover involving the synthesis and degradation of proteins. So when we consume protein in our diet, it gets broken down into these individual amino acids during digestion. These amino acids are then absorbed by the body and used to build and repair tissues, support various enzyme functions, and facilitate various physiological processes. Before we go into protein supplements and intake, let's talk a little bit about amino acids. So essential amino acids, or EAAs, are those that the body cannot produce on its own and must be obtained through the diet. There are nine essential amino acids, histidine, isoleucine, leucine, lysine, methionine, phenylalanine, threonine, tryptophan, and valine. And all of these amino acids play a vital role in protein synthesis, muscle protein generation, and a deficiency in any single one of them can really impair physiologic functions. The other group of amino acids are called branched chain amino acids. And these are a subgroup of essential amino acids, which include leucine, isoleucine, and valine. And what's unique about these amino acids is their molecular structure. They play a specific role in specifically muscle metabolism. Leucine is known for its ability to stimulate muscle protein synthesis, which is critical for muscle growth and muscle recovery. Knowing all this kind of lays the foundation for protein intake and protein supplementation. What's the backstory on protein? Most people can probably get enough protein just from their diet. For example, an egg or a half a cup of chickpeas or a small handful of nuts is about six grams of protein. And if you eat a piece of chicken or a piece of fish the size of your iPhone, it's about 30 grams of protein. So many people can relatively easily hit the recommended daily allowance of 60 to 90 grams of protein per day. That said, older adults, recreational exercises, looking to support muscle growth may benefit from eating a little bit more protein, up to one to one and a half times as much protein as the recommended daily allowance. Because as we age, we lose muscle. And research has shown time and time again 
that boosting protein intake can help increase strength and lean body muscle mass. So unless you have a significantly restricted diet or you're strictly plant-based or vegan, most of these protein intakes are often achievable just through food. But what if you have concerns that you may not be able to get enough protein just through your diet? Well, that's where protein supplementations and protein powder comes in. Here are some options for protein powders. Sources of protein that are found in most protein powders can largely be divided into two categories. It's animal-based and plant-based. Animal-based proteins are made either of whey protein or casein protein. Whey protein comes from that translucent part of milk after milk is boiled and the cheese is sitting at the bottom. The liquid portion of the milk is casein. And what's nice about whey protein is that they contain all nine essential amino acids that I mentioned earlier. Meanwhile, plant-based proteins include proteins from soy, from hemp, rice, pumpkin seeds, GS seeds, just to name a few. And if you opt for a whey protein, it's also important to consider the form that you want to use. Many whole protein powders include whey protein concentrate, which includes the water and the other minerals from the protein. Whey protein also includes protein isolate and hydrolysate, which are also pure protein sources and considered pre-digested. Casein protein, on the other hand, is 80% of cow's milk, and it's a slower digested protein. And because of this, it should often be taken either before bed or during lengthy periods of fasting. And if you're out there using protein as a meal replacement, then casein is often a better choice. When it comes to animal-based proteins, pea protein tends to be one of the more popular. Pea protein is extracted both from green and yellow peas. It's lactose-free, so it's safe for people with milk or dairy allergies. And pea protein also contains protein isolates, protein concentrates, and hydrolysates. So it's a complete protein package. There's been some fair literature to show that even pea protein can boost athletic performance and also improve muscle protein synthesis. But the big question that often gets asked is, what is the general recommendation for protein intake in healthy adults? Well, the results may shock you. In the United States, the recommended dietary allowance of protein in the average adult is 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram per day. And because most of my viewers live in the United States, and we love to use this ever so simple U.S. customary measurement system, let me decode this for you a little bit. If you're a 70 kilogram individual, which means about 150 pounds, the recommended protein intake is 0.56 grams of protein per day. If you're a 90 kilogram individual, about 200 pounds, the recommended daily intake is about 72 grams per day. What's interesting though, is other countries have different recommendations. For example, the Spanish recommendation is 0.9 to 1.2 grams of protein per kilogram per day. And in Finland, it's a shocking 1.4 grams per kilogram per day. So in the same 70 kilogram individual in the United States, 150 pounds, in Finland, the recommendation would be 90 grams of protein compared to 56 in the United States. Now, so far, I've been talking just about the average healthy adult. If we take this a step further and speak specifically about endurance and strength training athletes, well, the American College of Sports Medicine has recommended a protein intake of 1.5 to 1.7 grams per kilogram per day. And these numbers were suggested to improve positive nitrogen balance, which is necessary for strength and power. We've talked previously about our body's ability to store certain macronutrients. And the human body is well adapted to store fatty acids in the form of white or brown adipose tissue. 
and also storing carbohydrates in the form of glycogen, both found in our liver and our muscle. However, the body does not have a great way to store amino acids, which means that we have to ensure the daily intake of essential amino acids required for protein synthesis and all of our body's metabolic functions. If you don't have sufficient levels of circulating amino acids in the bloodstream, then muscle protein breakdown is increased. And if you have an excessive dietary intake of protein, then these proteins are catabolized and often used for energy. So that begs the question, do you need a protein supplement or do you not? Well, luckily, there are some clinical trials that can help guide us. For the most part, they tend to show that protein powders can indeed help build muscle, as many of them claim. But the catch is that this only works if you also do some form of resistance exercise, such as using weights or even body weight activities. If the muscles are not exercised, the extra protein won't do anything. In one meta-analysis from 2022, researchers looked at the combined data from 14 different randomized control trials. Half the people consumed a powdered whey protein, which again is made from the liquid leftover when milk is made into cheese, and half the group was given a placebo drink. And they found that as long as people also did resistance exercise, then consuming protein powders did increase their lean body muscle mass. But if they simply drank the drinks without exercise, there was no statistically significant difference between the two groups. There's also concern about over-protein intake. And there are stories you may have heard or read online about fit young people having heart attacks in the gym and the talk of whether it was the protein powders that might have contributed or some underlying heart problems. It's difficult to ascertain, so again, we need to turn to the research. There was a study conducted in mice in 2020, which was published in the Journal of Nature Metabolism, conducted at the University of Washington School of Medicine in St. Louis. And the researchers fed mice a high fat diet to deliberately induce the buildup of plaque in their arteries. But half the mice were also fed three times as much protein as the other half were given. What the conclusion was, was that the high fat, high protein group did not gain as much weight, but worryingly, they had 30% more plaque in their arteries. I think the most important thing to consider when discussing protein supplementation and intake is to determine what your individual goal is. If your goal is to improve muscle mass and enhance growth, then you might benefit from increasing your protein slightly. However, the most effective way to increase muscle protein synthesis is through resistance training, not protein powders. Ideally, for those of us looking to improve muscle mass, which typically occurs after excessive exercise, evidence suggests that consuming 20 to 40 grams of protein at that time is beneficial. Larger quantities than this simply contribute to calories and can actually reduce muscle building potential. So having several scoops of protein powder all at once is unlikely to be helpful. So what are some pros and cons of protein supplementation? Well, first the pros. Number one is convenience. Protein supplements such as powders and shakes offer a quick and convenient way to meet your daily protein requirements, especially those of us with busy lifestyles. There's no doubt that protein supplements can come in a variety of flavors. You can mix them into foods such as smoothies and soups and cookies and pancakes. But the most common way is probably just to blend it into a shake. The second pro is for muscle growth and repair. Studies have shown that adequate protein intake is essential for muscle growth and repair. Protein supplements, particularly those rich in the essential amino acids, 
can accelerate the recovery process after intense physical activity. In addition, older adults have increased protein needs, and perhaps the best way to reduce the onset of sarcopenia is through protein supplementation. What about weight management? The benefit of protein is that it has a satiating effect. It helps control appetite and support weight management goals. Including protein supplements in a balanced diet can contribute to a feeling of fullness, which can also overall reduce calorie intake. The last pro about protein supplementation is that protein supplements can be strategically consumed around workouts to optimize nutrient timing. This practice is thought to enhance muscle protein synthesis and improve exercise performance. Well, there's got to be two sides to every coin. So what are some cons of protein supplements? Well, the first is obvious. Relying solely on protein supplements may lead to nutrient deficiencies, as whole foods and a plant-based diet provides a broader spectrum of essential vitamins and nutrients and minerals that someone might lack who's just drinking protein shakes. The second is individuals may experience digestive discomfort, such as bloating or gas when consuming protein supplements. This is often attributed to the additives and some of the lactose that's present in certain products. If you're someone out there who has added protein supplements and protein shakes to your diet, you'll notice that your stool consistency might be different. The smell of your stool might be different. And this is due to the fact that most of the protein is metabolized in your gut. The bacteria in your gut combines with proteins and amino acids and forms various metabolic byproducts. There's also a cost to consider. Quality protein supplements can be extremely expensive, and their cost may not be sustainable for everyone, especially when compared to whole food sources of protein. And the last con is the regulatory concerns. Protein supplements are not regulated by the Food and Drug Administration. They're not as tightly regulated as the food industry, which can raise some concerns about product safety, quality, and accurate labeling. A study conducted by the Clean Label Project looked at 134 different high-selling protein powders and found that 75% of them tested positive for some level of lead and others detected levels of mercury, arsenic, and even cadmium, all shown to be toxic to the human body. There's also the danger of protein supplements and powders causing excessive protein intake. If you're taking in a lot of protein, you could be putting undue stress on your kidneys, creating an acidic environment which may precipitously decrease your intake of carbohydrates, which can also affect your energy level and your activity level. You also might be feeling more constipated because you're taking in less carbs, which means you're probably taking in less grains and nutrients and fibers. And if there's one thing we know, fiber is necessary to keep things flowing in your gut. Many patients often ask me, and even friends and family, what is the best protein supplement on the market? A recent article that we put together as part of the Forbes Health Advisory looked at the various protein powders in 2023. And some of these protein powders, according to the nutrition experts, included the now whey protein isolate powder because it included branched chain amino acids. It was also soy free, comes in a variety of flavors. But for those looking for a plant-based option, the Garden of Life grass-fed whey is a top contender. For me, I've been using Optimal Nutrition 100% Gold Whey Protein for many years. I have found that it is budget-friendly. It comes in a variety of flavors. It does not upset my stomach. But I think it's worth going out there and trialing small batches of protein powders and seeing which agrees with your body the most. We've talked a little bit about athletes and younger adults. But what about older adults? Once you reach 40, 50, and 60, 
sarcopenia, or losing muscle mass as you age, begins to set in. In order to prevent this, it's critical to maintain protein intakes. Functional independence, functional mobility are dependent on lean muscle mass. And for those individuals, the recommended daily intake is 1 to 1.2 grams per kilogram per day. So again, about 75 to 90 grams of protein in a 75 kilogram individual. People who exercise regularly also have higher needs, close to about 1.5 grams per kilogram per day. If you're someone who rarely lifts weights, does a lot of resistance training or endurance training, that number might even be higher to 1.7 grams per kilogram per day. Research has shown across the board that excessive protein intake would be anything more than 2 grams per kilogram of body weight per day. Although adequate protein throughout the day is necessary, extra strength training is what leads to muscle growth, not protein intake. You can't build muscle without exercising to go with it. Remember, the body cannot store protein. So once the needs are met, any extra is going to be used for energy or possibly stored as fat. Excess calories that come from protein supplementation as well. When is the best time to consume protein? Research has shown that protein spread out throughout the day is the most ideal system. On average, people tend to take most of their protein either during their evening meals or at least some part in breakfast. But newer studies show that moving protein from supper to breakfast can help with weight management by decreasing hunger and cravings throughout the day. General recommendations are to consume between 20 to 40 grams of protein at each meal. And studies show that higher intakes, more than 45 grams in one sitting, are no more beneficial than the recommended amount. So don't waste your time on excessive amounts of protein at one time. But if you are interested in looking for a protein powder, if you do have concerns that you're not getting enough protein in your diet, you may want to reference the National Sanitation Foundation, which is a third-party organization that tests dietary supplements for their safety and quality. If you're looking to add muscle and strength, you may want to use a whey protein after your workouts and a casein protein either in the mornings as a meal replacement or in the evenings before bed. If you're vegan or strictly plant-based and you want to add fiber to your diet, you might want to consider a hemp protein powder. But the bottom line is that protein powders can be healthy. They are probably unnecessary for most of us, but can be an easy way to increase your protein intake. In the end, protein supplementation can be a valuable addition to a well-rounded diet. They offer convenience, they target nutritional support, particularly for those around specific fitness goals. However, it's crucial to approach supplementation with a discerning mindset, understanding both the advantages and the potential drawbacks. Prioritizing whole food sources such as protein and a plant-based diet provides a comprehensive array of nutrients beyond just the amino acids. So when considering protein supplements, we should weigh the convenience against the potential downsides and in the end, aim for a balanced approach that includes a variety of protein sources. As we continue our journey towards optimal health, let's remember, stay balanced. Moderation is key. Until then, stay informed, stay healthy. We've got your back. Thanks for listening to The Backstory. 
please subscribe, rate the podcast, and review the backstory on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play Music. And feel free to share this podcast on social media or even your own website or blog. This podcast is for general information purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice. To learn more about Dr. Singh and his clinical research, please follow him on social media. You can also sign up for his newsletter by going to www.rickysinghmd.com. That's R-I-C-K-Y-S-I-N-G-H-M-D.com. Thank you.